You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. This is Cork Today. Cork Today. With J.P. McNamara on C103. Cork's greatest hits. C103. And good morning to you and what is a beautiful morning at the moment in many parts of Cork unfortunately heavy rain is on the way as we heard there across the afternoon but on what is a beautiful morning I'm sure many parts of the country sad scenes yesterday uh, from Belfast and I think everybody has been speaking or watching uh, the funeral of Lyra McKee and, and the sad events from Belfast and all the political leaders all her family turning up to the particular funeral paying respects I'll, I'll speak about that in a while but first just on what's coming up on this morning's programme. We're going to hear uh, from county councillors who are unhappy uh, with a vote in the city on directly elected mayors. Many feel that it's causing confusion. And also... Well, why should the city have a directly elected mayor and not the county? The reason people are asking this now is because in the other cities, in Limerick and Waterford, where the plebiscite vote is also going ahead, you had the situation that in both those other counties and cities, they're joined up. So Limerick, city and county is together, as is Waterford, whereas here in Cork, we're split. We still have Cork City and we still have Cork County as separate units with two different councils operating. But many are getting confused. Many feel that regardless of where you are in Cork, you're going to have this vote but you're not it's just a directly elected mayor for the city but now the county feel they are losing out and why should one area have a directly elected mayor and another area not have a particular mayor also is it causing confusion across the country because if you speak to anybody else outside of Cork uh, they just presume it's for the whole city and county when it's not and outside of the directly elected mayors on the issue of elections election posters we've got a number of calls and emails following our programme yesterday it was really sparked off by people asking about the erection of election posters yesterday or it would have been the day before evening before when they should have gone up at midnight and many parties every party I think uh, started putting up the posters uh, across all areas but I think yesterday would have seen a lot more posters being put up across the county and because of this some people are asking is it fair then that the towns and villages that have the poster free operation in place uh, is it fair that the candidates going forward cannot put up posters in those areas the majority of people agree with this uh, those living in the towns and in tidy towns agree and, and I think the majority of people onto us agree that they'd like to see a poster free town they're against posters within the town boundaries or uh, within the 50k kilometre limit of the actual village or, or wherever it is that is banning those particular posters. But I'll read an email that came in overnight from someone listening to the repeat of our show who feels this is a democratic state and that groups like Poster Free and Tidy Towns have no place in telling parties that they cannot erect posters up in towns, that it's not illegal to do that uh, and that they, they shouldn't be telling others basically what to do. We are in a democratic state after all. I'll read you those comments that came into us overnight shortly in the programme. Uh, we're also going to hear and speak to the mother of a Mallow teen who has spent the last four months in CUH. He has been transferred to Crumlin Hospital uh, this week for surgery, mainly because of getting a wheelchair from the HSC and the delays in getting the wheelchair from the HSC. Uh, we'll speak to Granny Lynch and indeed we'll hear about young Liam who was in that situation at the moment 
uh, what the surgery entails and why is there a delay in getting a wheelchair for this young lad from Mallow? I mean, it's going on for the last four or five months. There is delays, but surely they can look at particular individual cases and speed things up a bit. Anyhow, we'll hear and speak to that family later in the programme. Uh, mediation, always a big issue when it comes to neighbours or families. Well, the Mediators Institute of Ireland, you might not have heard of them, but they are a group operating in this country. We're going to hear about what they actually do. And in the issue of disputes with your neighbour. When I speak to Simon there earlier, I gave the example of if you're living in an area whereby your neighbour put up a fence and the fence is too far over on your side and you want to deal with this and you might be friends with your neighbour and it may be an awkward situation. These guys, this is where they come in. Rather than going down the big legal battle, the mediators can come in and try and solve this with some hopefully reasonable outcome. If not, then, well, we'll ask them that because they are going to speak through how the process works and if it doesn't work out. Not only, that's just an example, it can be inheritance with families, it can be separation in families. Uh, there's a whole load of, of things that we get calls in uh, most days about. Unfortunately, tr- through legal issues, we can delve into a lot of family disputes. Obviously, enough of family dispute is mainly within the family and, uh, unless it's going to get a public hearing. Uh, you, you are caught with dealing with those issues and people then feel they have nowhere else to go, only the legal route. So we're going to hear about mediation and how those particular type disputes can be dealt with. Not major disputes, but they can cause a lot of problems. Also, our Garda file, and if you have have any questions for our vet Jane she is along after midday a pet advice with Jane as well after midday so that and more to come uh, between now and one and our lines are open Bernie takes your comments this morning 1850 you can text a WhatsApp 86 you can tweet at C103 Cork or email jp at c103.ie but I mentioned there the sad scenes yesterday from Belfast at the funeral of Lira McKee uh, hearing Barry there on news a while ago uh, mentioning uh, that Crime Stoppers is offering a £10,000 sterling reward for anybody that has information on her murder last week. Of course, the young 29-year-old journalist shot dead by dissident Republicans last Thursday. Thousands turned out yesterday in Belfast. Uh, her family, her partner, her friends, journalists, journalists from across the UK and Ireland actually gathered in newsrooms. I know here in Cork, a number of journalists gathered on Dawn Square to remember Lyra. And uh, even though it, it, the funeral was very emotional and sad, the priest, Father Martin McGill, he did make a point about the politicians in the North at the funeral and looking around and I'm not sure if you saw the TV news last night and he said himself he didn't mean to make it awkward for the politicians involved but I think his point was right that people now need to step up to the mark and solve the issues in Northern Ireland that could be leading to this particular violence. Here is what Father Martin said yesterday at the funeral service. Since Thursday night we have seen the coming together of so many people in various places and the unifying of the community against violence. I commend our political leaders for standing together in Craigan on Good Friday. I am, however, left with a question. Why in God's name Does it take the death of a 29-year-old woman with her whole life in front of her to get to this point? 
And I think everybody in the church at that stage really knew what he meant by that. The crowd standing up, applauding for a number of minutes. The politicians, even though they looked awkward, especially those who are leaders of parties in the north, Eurardian uh, Foster and Sinn Féin's Mary Lou Macdonald sitting side by side, also a number of the Assembly members in there as well. And you also had, of course, on Taoiseach Leo Varadkar and the British Prime Minister Theresa May uh, sitting in front of all of them. But I, I think the spotlight for that moment shone on the political leaders because what happened? I mean, yeah, they were able to gather in Derry on Good Friday and and you have to ask the question as the priest did, why did it take for this young girl to die, for this to happen? Basically, he and others have put out an appeal now uh, for all the politicians to talk and set up again the assembly. Uh, so maybe this message now for politicians will get through to them. I mean, a lot of this, what's going on is the, the stupid fighting we see the political point scoring, uh, the people saving their so-called pride, their egos and all of this and, and putting, well, our party stands for this and that. And really, they need to put all that behind them because whatever they stand for, surely none of them stand for this. We, we've gone beyond the days of violence in Northern Ireland and indeed violence in this country as a whole. Uh, and it's awful, as Father Martin said, to think that a young girl like Lyra had to be shot dead for them to consider because they are considering now meeting and meeting up to actually look at the assembly and if they can reform the assembly and all the parties will meet again but that sh- it shouldn't take this to happen for them to do that also many did say that Brexit was starting fears of trouble again in the north so I suppose a message to those also in London to cop on and have responsibility because they have responsibility to the north and when you have certain people in London uh, discussing Brexit they often forget about the six counties uh, up north in Ireland and because of this nobody wants to see us returning to the past no one wants violence in Northern Ireland so it's a message not only uh, for our own government our own politicians those in Northern Ireland but also those in London need to wake up and realise the effects they are having in the North and indeed the effects they are having in this country Uh, go away from the economy for one moment just peace on this island I know we all worked so hard for that we all voted for the Good Friday Agreement and in the Good Friday Agreement we don't want to go back to those days no one does it's evident from uh, the funeral yesterday so uh, he probably didn't mean to get political at the funeral but I think that what he said may spur politicians to cop on and act rather than what they are doing and, and they're playing the games over the last well both uh, in the north with the assembly and indeed with Brexit a female uh, folk duo called Saint Sister uh, they played the Cranberry song Dreams at her funeral yesterday it's of course now labelled the uh, Derry Girls Anthem after its recent use in the hit Channel 4 show we're going to hear and I'll play that song very shortly before I play that song I think uh, what we need to do in the future for this whole country as an island was summed up by Nicola Corner who is uh, uh, who basically paid tribute to her sister Lyra yesterday uh, at the funeral I think this song up how we need to go forward here in this country across Ireland. In the words of Lyra herself, we must change our own world one piece at a time. Now let's get to work.
Cranberries and Dreams, that song sung by a female folk duo at the funeral yesterday of Lyra McKee in Belfast, which we spoke about there before that song, May She Rest in Peace. And yesterday on the show, we were discussing the upcoming elections and people were looking and seeing the posters being erected across the county. A lot more went up yesterday afternoon. Uh, but people listening to the repeat show, the repeat of the show goes out at 11 o'clock each weekday night, uh, were some in favour, but some not in favour of the poster bans. Here's just a selection of the emails we got overnight to the show about posters. Uh, Derek saying, listening to your show repeat, I was amazed to hear election posters were being removed from the Ballincollig bypass yesterday morning. I would have considered this to be outside the area of the poster-free zone of Ballincollig, while then Anne has a different view on Clonakilty. Uh, she's surprised uh, to see the posters just outside Clonakilty Town. She says, surely uh, there should be no posters allowed near the town of Clonakilty or indeed anywhere in the outskirts of Clonakilty Town. Uh, she thinks it's wrong to have them so close to the town, not a mind in the town centre, uh, but close to the town, she thinks they should be removed also. But Michael has a point uh, he wants to raise and would like to know what others think of this. Michael says, we are a democratic country. And having posters up on polls gets people talking about the process and gives people an idea on who they may vote for. It's one of the many ways candidates have of getting themselves out there. So who are these tidy town groups to be telling people not to erect posters within town centres or within a 50k radius of the speed limit in the town? They those involved in tidy towns and poster-free campaigns have no legal entitlement to do so. So therefore, I ask, why are they let do this? Surely, for just one month, people should be allowed erect posters in a town as long as they abide by the rules and take down the posters a few days after the actual process and the event itself, says Michael on email to jp at c103.ie. So do you agree with Michael on that? Do you think that it's unfair that we have the groups who have been working very hard over the last while for a number of reasons to ban particular posters from towns and villages. Michael feels it's wrong. He says we're in a democratic country and that we should respect that we are in this type of a country where we can vote for people and we should be allowed to put up or the candidate should be allowed to put up the actual posters of themselves in towns and not have this situation whereby we are banning posters in towns and villages for one reason or another. He feels it's wrong to do that. No one has a legal entitlement to do that and the whole thing should be re-looked at and the candidate should be allowed basically have their posters up in towns uh, despite bans. Your viewer, welcome on that. Uh, what do you think? 1850-333-103. Our lines are open or you can text or WhatsApp 0862-103-103. You can tweet at C103 Cork. But on the way, discussing that issue with the posters and the confusion around directly elected mayors, especially in the county of Cork and why and how come uh, the county isn't involved in this. Uh, county councillors aren't happy discussing that next. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. Cork Today on C103. Call Patricia with your comment. 1850-333-103. Now we've heard a lot of talk in recent weeks about the directly elected mayors, but here in the county, councillors are not happy about this vote, which is only going to be taken in the city. Councillor Kevin Murphy joins me on the issue. Good morning to you, Kevin. 
Good morning, John Paul. How are you? I'm fine, thanks. Now, a lot of councillors have come out about this in the county. They're not happy with the situation. Uh, first of all, there's confusion because they feel the directly elected mayor, which is only going to be voted on in the city and won't represent the county, is causing confusion with people in the county who think they can vote in this and they can't. Also, people outside of Cork who think that the whole of Cork is getting this directly elected mayor and they are not. And many feel the county could lose out because of the powers the directly elected mayor will have if this goes through. Uh, what's your view? Now, do you think the county could lose out or do you feel it's unfair that the county don't have a vote at all or any input on this? Oh, yes. I made my, I made my position quite clear at the meeting, uh, John Paul, that, um, that if I had a vote, I certainly would not vote in favour of the start-off because it disenfranchised people of Cork. And I'm looking at Cork in total. Cork itself is a unit. And a unit itself from going forward for promotion, for tourism, for any kind of a, of a, of a, of a system going in the, in the, in the county itself. Cork County and Cork City should be at moon to, to, to support Cork and to advance Cork in all different ways. And I think this is, this is a very, very unfair and a very poor system of getting somebody who is, is an all powerful person, as powerful as they as the chief executive. Yeah, but we, we still have two councils, so are you looking at a situation where you would have one mayor over two councils, or would you be looking at a situation where you would rather both councils join up, which is a bit late now because we've had the boundary extension? No, the boundary extension has gone through, and as I said to you before, we, were, we would be much happier, of course, obviously, if we had one unit as a cock itself, that would be cock overall, and we'd be joined at the hip. In other words, I would have cock. Um, city and county joined up, fully joined up, and um, promoting Cork as one. That was our proposal first day. You know, it's not we're not I'm not uh, disputing that point. It didn't go through, and if, if people favoured um, or opposed that be favoured, they would have an extension, a major extension to the city boundary, and that's okay. That's gone through as well, and we're now getting to grips with the changing staff and. Um, uh, you know, getting ready for the the the, the, the final day of the twenty third of May. Now, I'm just saying in general terms that if like if we had to go forward as cock as and I say the old the old cliche on go across as as the real capital, if we had to go forward to promote cock itself, we are all, we as a county people should be promoting the city as well as the county should be, as well as the county and the people in the city should be promoting the county as well. That's how to get business done, and as far as I'm concerned here. That entices and encourages people to come down and set up entrepreneurships, all different types of industry and all those things. It's cock itself will benefit overall. Yeah, because if you look at this trial, if you like, want to call it that, about the uh, plebiscite for directly elected mayors, they are looking at an, uh, only three cities. It's Cork, Limerick and Waterford. But Limerick yeah. and Waterford are together. They're a city and county. So Limerick City and County will vote, as does Waterford City and County. Here, we're not in Cork. It's just a city vote. Uh, so I, I know a few weeks ago, uh, the Labour deputy for Cork East, Sean Sherlock, was in studio and he felt that it was unfair that if the city got an elected mayor, why not the county get an elected mayor? You could say bad timing now with the city expanding as well. Well, uh, overall, if the role is going to be as powerful, if it does get through and if it does happen, uh, are you worried that you could have a situation when you speak about Cork going forward as one, that you could have Cork City going forward and the county being left behind because you'd have to go through certain processes in the county and it's going to be up to the chief executive to make the final decision there uh, while the county, while the city mayor will be able to just roll ahead? Absolutely. And that's what, that was my point as well, the same way that, we, you had that as, a, as a unit, we go forward united as such. But as, as a divided cork itself, we have the same power or the same, or the same influence at all as such. Mm-hmm. So I feel distinctly uh, disenfranchised myself.
I had a chance, if I had a chance to vote on it, I certainly would vote no. On another count as well, John Paul, let's, let's, let's look into the financial situation because as far as I'm concerned here, this guy is going to be very, very um, well, uh, well healed. He'll be certainly, as far as I'm concerned, he'll be paid a substantial amount of money. It's a, um, he'd have a driver. Would you believe that a driver is supposed to be paid in excess of 35000 a year for driving a car? And that's, once again, believe it or not, the elected members of the county and city are paid seventeen grand. Now, if you mean to tell me that a, direct, a, a driver for the, for the Lord Mayor or the duly elected uh, Lord Mayor is going to have a, a double the salary that an ordinary elected member will have, that's certainly totally and absolutely off the wall. And, and that is a very big salary, Kevin. Huh? That's a very big salary for driving around it's, a car. It is massive, and as the city itself has grown, would be growing bigger, obviously going to Blarney. Yeah, but, but it's, it's not that big. Said, I mean, sorry, no, but from City Hall to Blarney isn't exactly a journey. It's not. You know, from Castletown Bear to Mitchellstown, yeah. no, that's a journey, but I wouldn't call City Hall to Blarney a journey, in fairness. Well, we are, we are, a, bit un, we are a bit unsure as well, but the same token, for a start off, if he's paid 35 grand a year, it's obviously a pensionable job as well. So what I what I'd like to say brilliantly, we are, we don't even know the actual depth as to how expensive this particular move is going to be. Except we just have a, a kind of a scant idea of what's going to happen. All I would suggest in detail is that, like really and truly, we have to go forward here with one thing in mind. And my view has always been that we promote cock in the story, regardless of city or county. And this. To me, we're not doing as far as I We're not doing the business they expected to do, and I'd be much, very much afraid that Cork County will lose out as a result of this. Do you That's think that point. when it comes to business and attracting business, that the city now will have more power if this goes ahead and taking business from the county? Because, as you mentioned, there's more money being pumped in. If a, if a driver can get thirty five grand for driving around the Lord Mayor, uh, what else can be put into that particular rule that will distract and will bring items that are maybe earmarked for the county or businesses that are looking at the county to move them into the city boundaries. Absolutely. And, and that's my that's my fear from the very beginning. <clears throat> I stand over they said that they inside I feel disenfranchised like all the members. I think we should all of us say in the in the morality and as far as I could see we should go forward together as one unit. And in this case I really really think there's a kind of a there is a kind of a bias now towards the city rather than the county. And that's why I'm that's why I I, I really am deeply concerned that's going to happen. So Are you afraid of a split? <laughs> I, I wouldn't say split, and I hope that would not happen. But certainly, as Rebel Cock itself is one unit and has brought immense good and benefit cost to Cock in general. In this case, uh, with a with a very influential Lord uh, Mayor, directly elected Mayor, um, I think he will, he will certainly will have be promoted for what in Cock City much more than Cock County. And I feel that this is going to be all disadvantage for Cock. And the disadvantage you mentioned there, Kevin, the one thing is outside of Cork, we have a lot of people who think we're one. If you speak to people in Limerick or Waterford, they presume this directly elected mayor is for Cork as a whole, as you mentioned, when it's not, it's just for Cork City. So when you hear, and people will hear in future, if this gets to go ahead, the Lord Mayor of Cork, they always presume that it's the whole city and county, and it won't be. So you're right, it could be uh, more more preferential treatment for the city rather than the county. Before I let you go, Kevin, I want to uh, mention one thing that we're getting a lot of calls 
goes on. Uh, this is posters and uh, as you know at this stage the election is in full swing as people gear up for the election at the end of May but posters becoming an issue again and as posters are being erected we have got a few calls overnight from people and emails for, uh, one in particular who feels that the poster free zones and tidy towns telling political parties and candidates not to put up posters is wrong. He feels we live in a democratic society uh, and Michael on email said that for the month alone people should be allowed and candidates should be allowed to put up their posters in villages in towns it is just for a month after all what's your view on that do you think it's unfair that Taddy Town groups as Michael puts it tells candidates not to erect posters up or, or, or do you think it even matters these days the way the world has changed with social media and more yeah first of all I think the Taddy Towns would have to be commended for what they do that's the first thing because they are immense benefit and have taken on um, a, substantial, a substantial role of ensuring that, that their towns and villages are kept nice and tidy and neat. And, and we would have to commend them for that. There's no question about that. And in actual fact, they have saved an immense amount of, of uh, financial issues for the, for, for the councils as well. You know, they are really into the, 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 the keepers, if you like, of, of neat and tasty. But uh, the, the one in relation to post three, I suppose they have a point. Now, I, I, am, I suppose for, for a candidate who's already established it's easy enough to know with any post outside, you'll you, you, be well known, you'll have your job done inside, inside your towns or your villages. When it comes down to a new candidate, effectively, you're ruling out the chance and enough people getting to know a person a bit better by a post three. It has disadvantages with every shade of it out because obviously there will be wind, there will be rain, and posters get blown and they get, they get dumped everywhere. And that's something which I suppose we'll have to take into consideration. Oh, yeah, I, I, what I would say to in general terms, in general terms, is that it is commendable for them to go and say we're a poster-free town or village. It is commendable. Um, and I'd say, with respect, the only difference is it is a very short campaign. It'll be, there's only three weeks or less than a month to go in before the election itself. And they're up and they're gone fairly quickly. So, what I would suggest here, um, anyway, I'm saying there's no quite distinctly from, from, from my point of view, being a long time in the council as such, I have difficulty with new candidates and the exposure they're going to get. And that's to be fair. And we have to be fair. You know, question where. In relation to the countryside from 50 miles, from 50 years on out, the whole place is going to get plastered. Absolute and total plastered with posters from there on. So that'll be the exposure I would see. I'm not, I, I, I will suggest that um, the tidy tones people have a very strong point and the blessings of God in them. But I think that they have to be conscious of the fact as well that the new candidates will have to be exposed as small So you feel it is unfair on new candidates not allowed to put up the posters in the towns or villages? Well, okay. you know, I mean, obviously, if, you're, if, 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 if a new candidate... It's a disadvantage, I say to him. I'm not saying it's unfair. It's a disadvantage for the new candidates not to be exposed or not to have their photographs exposed as the, you would say, you know, and to be fair with them, an even Stephen or an even a balance on the two I think the, the, the losers will be the new candidates coming up. Um, All right, Kevin, we'll, we'll leave okay. it there. We'll, we'll see what, the, what people make of that for the moment. Thank you for joining us this morning. That is Councillor Kevin Murphy on the issue of directly elected mayors and the fear the city could grow out, outgrow uh, the county or take incoming business away from the county. Also on the election poster issue, uh, do you agree with Kevin on that? He, he said a good disenfranchiser maybe not give uh, uh, those new candidates a fair hearing because of the fact that you know if they're new, that they, their posters won't be up within the town. A lot of people agree 
agree with the poster free they agree with what the tiny towns are doing but then some feel we're in a democratic state and the poster should be up allowed uh, in the town centres and the villages uh, across our county your views are welcome on that uh, maybe you run a tiny towns group uh, and you want to have your say on this let us know call us 1850 text or whatsapp 86 on whatsapp a listener in Bandon saying it was 1040 20 to 11 uh, last night when posters were being put up outside my house uh, very late for that to happen and I was reading in the papers in Dublin uh, one uh, team for a local councillor they were erecting the posters at 3am in the morning but they actually scared a number of people on the road they were doing that because obviously people heard the noise looked out and they saw these all they saw was the back of the white poster uh, moving around so people were unsure what was happening until they realised but for the, a few seconds uh, they did scare a number of people the councillor I think had to come out and apologise uh, for that so are they erecting posters too late as well in certain areas of the county anyhow your view on that the decision has been made and everybody welcomes poster free towns uh, but some people are asking should it happen uh, because it is only a month and does it disenfranchise a lot of newer candidates and is it unfair because as Michael said in his email we are a democratic society your views are welcome on that if you run Taddy Towns if you're in favour of poster free let us know 1850 on the way next we're going to hear how a Mallow teen uh, which we've spoken to his mother before uh, spending the last four months in CUH now being transferred to Crumlin in Dublin but still awaiting a wheel chair from the HSC speaking uh, with that family next C103 text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment 086 2103 103 Mallow teenager Liam Lynch has spent the last number of months in CUH and recently since last Tuesday has moved to Crumlin Hospital his mother Gronia spoke to us before when the family were trying to obtain a specialised wheelchair for Liam and his mother Gronia joins me again good morning to you Gronia Good morning, how are you? I'm fine, thanks. And thanks for joining us. Just to remind people of Liam's condition because he was diagnosed uh, with a tumour in his spine at the age of seven. And that is why you've been in and out of hospital and trying to uh, just get this particular wheelchair for him for the last number of months. Yeah, he was diagnosed with a spinal tumour in um, 2010 and as a result as well, developed scoliosis. And because of the scoliosis, he needs specialised Motor seat in his chair. So that's fine, but then when we went to get the chair um, this year, uh, they came back and said that he wasn't a priority, and as a result, the chair is too small. He'd grown in the chair and developed a stage four pressure sore. Okay, and this is what he joined us with the last time because he did outgrow yeah. the, the actual chair and we were, yeah. we were putting appeals out there for people to get a new uh, power chair for him. And I know a number of donors did come forward, but there was the issue of the seating and appliances for the particular chair and the HSC are still coming back and saying there's no availability for that at the moment. Well, they've come back now and they said that they have sanctioned the chair, so the money is available for the chair. But now what we're waiting for is for him to heal so that we can actually move the seat for him and then we'll have this a, a chair that's suitable for him for the next three years. And he's been in, and you with him, in CUH since January of this year. So more or less for the last four months, you yeah. and he has spent time living within CUH. Yes, yeah, we were. Um, Very tough for all your family. It was, it is. Um, but, you know, you just have to do what you have to do. It's infuriating. Just you cross over the whole thing. Like, you shouldn't, we shouldn't be in the situation at all. Um, but it is what it is. And we just have to get on with this. 
And I know since Tuesday uh, he's been transferred to Crumlin uh, for surgery. Now this surgery is on the pressure sores and this is even more frustrating because a lot of these, uh, the majority of them I presume are coming because he's spending time out of the wheelchair and in the bed, are they? Yeah. Well, we got to, we came up on Tuesday in an ambulance and then we got here and um, it was a specialised pressure mattress and that wasn't here when we came to Crumlin. So that was um, it, it, that was another. Um, it's another thing that doesn't help the wound. So, like his wound has deteriorated since we've been in Crumlin, which is only two days. And is he due to have surgery? Has he had the surgery? Is he due to have surgery this week on that on that particular wound? Oh, we just stopped. We haven't even met the consultants yet. I'm so <laughs> you're still waiting for to meet the consultants since Tuesday. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And is there any talk from the nurses or doctors up there on will you meet the consultant? I'm hoping today, but they can't guarantee anything. And have they given a reason why? Because surely they, they must know what Liam was going through. Well, when we came up, um, one of the doctors said, like, well, why are you here? And I go, well, you know, because <laughs> of pressure sores, because of the operation, the skin graft. Oh, well, okay. So I, mean, I don't know if actually know, understand why we're here, what, what we're here for. But I was very frustrated yesterday and on Tuesday, but I think today now hopefully um, I might get to talk to some people, relevant people. But surely you would have thought from CUH to Crumlin, someone would have given them a file and they would have known or they would have looked at the notes at the end of the bed and something something should have been on those notes to say what his condition is and why he is there rather than you trying to feed them the information to speed the whole process no. up because it's unfair and Liam to have him sitting there if they're not going to share the info. Of course. I mean, like his file is here, and yet they still had to in court to find out if he was on oral meds or um, um, pick line meds. You know, I mean, I, I, I guess don't know. I'm so uh, frustrated by the whole thing. Yeah, frustrated is the word. It just makes no sense to think that you're being asked what are you here for when usually yeah. the notes would be transferred up to Dublin they would have them somewhere you would hope anyhow where they would say this patient is in bed B and here are his notes and this is what he's here for without you I know they're under pressure and all of that but surely in this situation when he's been in hospital for that long for four months that they would have some idea what they're going to do when they get there yeah. I would have presumed at this stage uh, that when he was transferred on Tuesday he would have met the consultant that maybe surgery would have actually happened yesterday if if he was well enough for that. Not that you're still waiting on someone to talk to you. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's what we talked to, but no. And because of the duration of the wound, we say we won't have surgery for another few days or even a week or so. And Liam himself, I mean, how is he doing? He, he He's in the middle of all of this. He, he's suffering. Uh, what does he, I mean, is he, is he able to understand what's happening with this, the hospital system and how is he doing himself? Is he quite positive? How is he feeling? Because I presume at this stage, I know he was meant to do his junior search. I presume we're now uh, he won't be able to do that. Um, he is still very positive. Still very positive. But like yesterday now, like, it was just a really, really bad day because none of us could figure out what was going on. So it was a really, really bad day. As his junior, we're still hoping that he will be in a position to do some of the subjects. So we'll get one out, yes. And have you support there with you in Dublin or our family up and down? Or, or what kind of support do you have yourself? Um, I'm staying here now for, uh, for the week and my husband will come up then for the weekend and we have family in Dublin. But we're still kind of caught because one of the main ingredients for Liam's recovery is home-cooked food, which mm. we don't have luxury of here. And 
he isn't a fan of hospital food, so we're um, we're we're struggling with that one at the minute. So if anybody was in the Dublin area that was cooking for a family and was able to drop a hot meal to Crumlin, that would be much appreciated for you. Oh, oh my God, yeah, that'd be fantastic because um, takeaways aren't very nutritious for, for for a healing child. Yeah, and, and the home-cooked food is going to make him heal better, especially with those yeah. particular wounds. I'm going to leave you yeah. go because I know you're with him at the moment in Crumlin and I know when you're inside yeah. a hospital, the mobile reception isn't great in hospitals, but I understand you need to be by his side. So, uh, Granny, we might hook up again with you next week to see how things are okay. and hopefully, hopefully you do meet a consultant today. Uh, let us know how things go. We, we might touch base for you if you want to with the HSC to see if we can speed up anything for you. Uh, I'll wait until I see the consultant that arrives or materialises today and yeah. I'll from there then. Okay, do. And we might off air touch base with you tomorrow to see how things are going yeah. and if you need a hand or a help, we, we might try and intervene and see if we can speed things up for you there. Uh, for the moment, I'll leave you back with Liam and thanks for talking to us this morning, Gronia. Uh, Gronia Lynch there from Mallow at the moment in Crumlin Hospital. By the way, if there is anybody who has relatives in Dublin who might be cooking a family cooked meal every night and might be able to uh, cook a bit extra for one more place and then might be able to bring it to Crumlin Hospital a family cooked and home cooked meal actually does aid with Liam's recovery and does aid with those particular pressure sores uh, obviously the nourishment you get in those meals so uh, just putting it out there if anybody happens to be listening in Dublin online or indeed know someone in Dublin that is in this situation that does cook a meal every night or knows of an organisation that could help out with this let us know and we can pass on the details to Grania and we'll touch base with them again on the show next week uh, and hopefully he gets that operation and gets what he needs and indeed the overall the wheelchair from the HSE 1850 333 103 on the way after C103 News at 11 we'll be discussing mediation our Garda file and plus more of your calls and comments on election election posters and directly elective mayors will the county lose out that and more our lines are open 1850 333 103 you can text or whatsapp 086-2103-103 or you can email jp at c103.ie on the way we're going to discussing mediation if you have a question around mediation maybe you're or you might have a dispute in your hands with your neighbour regarding boundary issues or a fence that is too far over uh, on your side than it should be or a family issue well a lot of people are unsure what to do in these cases many go down the legal route but feel it's too much and is there another way around this well we'll hear from the mediators Institute of Ireland, a group that deals with disputes like this shortly on the programme. But just back to a number of your calls and comments into us across the morning. First of all, we were discussing the issue of the directly elected mayor and how a lot of unhappiness in County Hall because of the fact that you are going to have this mayor for the city, but then not the county. If this does go ahead, having a directly elected mayor, confusion outside of Cork because people outside of Cork think this, if it goes ahead, a newly directed mayor will be for all of Cork. But in fact, it's just for the city. And there's a fear afterwards that you could be enticing businesses and employers to the city and not the county, depending on the power that the particular directly elected mayor has. So there's a fear out there the county could lose out further. Uh, First of all, the city expansion and now uh, this directly elected mayor having more power uh, than county areas. On that, uh, Frank in Kinsale says this government wants nothing to do with anything outside of the cities. We in the county have as much much of a right to have his say what happens in the city and county. Also, the mayor should take a cut 
in the salary and give the money to the likes of Penny Dinners, says Frank, while James saying hearing that the driver of this newly directly elected mayor is going to earn a wage of €35,000 is just disgraceful. So many people out there who've been working for years haven't yet got to a decent wage and some of us have got our wages cut over the last 10 years due to the recession and never made up uh, the wage that we got that we lost uh, during those times simply because we're working for companies who cannot afford these particular wage increases. Awful to think that someone driving around a small city in Ireland can earn €35,000 a year for just that. And, and that is uh, that, that figure that was given to us by Councillor Kevin Murphy. Uh, it is a bit outstanding to think that the driver for the directly elected mayor will get that particular salary. It's a big salary uh, for, for, the, for the journeys you were doing. And it's a busy role, obviously. You could be going from 7am in the morning until 11pm at night, but people are, are putting that particular salary up against their own salaries and saying, I'm nowhere near that. Uh, and, you know, and they work hard and they've seen cuts and then they hear this this morning for something that a lot of people feel do you even need uh, these particular directly elected mayors in our county or in this particular country uh, Billy and Bannon says the boundary change here in Cork should never have been agreed as the people of the county were never asked for their opinions on this change after all it was the county that suffered the loss losing out on areas such as Blarney and Glenmire and Joe says well, yes we do need a local mayor for the county to take account of the concerns of rural dwellers and implement local bodies laws to deal with the concerns in particular regarding environmental issues uh, says Joe and on the issue that Michael emailed us overnight regarding the posters and he feels uh, that posters in this country when we had them up that they're good for candidates they get people talking about the elections and people get to know their actual candidates but also uh, he says that tidy town groups and poster free zones that they should not be in place during elections he feels it's wrong and he feels uh, that these particular groups have no legal standing to tell candidates that they can't erect posters in town centres and villages. Uh, I'd like to hear from maybe if you're involved in poster-free organisations or within Tidy Towns, your view on this. Uh, and do you do you think Michael's wrong? Obviously you do because you've enforced this. Uh, but your view on this, 1850 Aidan uh, on WhatsApp says, uh, Morning JP, uh, he says, I agree with that particular person earlier. Election posters should be allowed up in towns and villages. Sure, they're only up for a couple of weeks. A lot of these Toddy Towns committees think they own the place. It's only for a small bit and it's over again, uh, says Aidan on that particular issue of postering. Just briefly back to the issues of mayors in the county. Heidi on WhatsApp says, when you take time to stand back and listen and see what's happening in this country, we have to put up with the decision made without consulting us, the voters. And that's a lot of decisions are made that way. As to whether we get our own mayor in county areas and to be honest it seems we are just sleepwalking and letting this happen as we have to get good councillors and TDs in our area that are prepared to stand up for us and make sure our needs and concerns are taken as they are as important to what happens in Dublin says Heidi summing up I suppose that uh, we should have and need mayors in our county areas as well but also we need for the forthcoming elections good councillors to uh, make sure those issues we have here in county areas are raised and are as important to uh, to to us here in county and rural areas as they are to those living in Dublin and we were mentioning earlier the sad scenes from Belfast yesterday of the funeral of Lyra McKee 
and a political statement coming there to get everybody back again in talks and to reform the assembly in the north. Uh, well, Pat has a text on this and he says, we all hate to see people being murdered. God help us. We have seen our own share of it since 1920. But two wrongs don't make a right. Yes, those people that killed that person or, or whatever hadn't the right to do so. But to me... What was most sickening was to see people using the red hand to make their case. That was very bad. We all know that the red hand were the most evil band of murderers that ever stood. Uh, Like the protests over the numbers uh, of the last few days, he feels uh, it's okay if they're done in a proper manner, but he doesn't agree with people. And this was whereby people came along and they uh, dipped their hand in red paint and put the red hand on the headquarters of what uh, is supposed to be the real IRA. And... uh, Pat feels it represents a different type of red hand. Well, uh, I suppose the people that were doing this weren't thinking of any red hands, Pat. What they were thinking was really uh, those involved and those who murdered uh, that particular young journalist last week in Derry, that they have blood on their hands. And that's what that particular meant. It wasn't a symbol of anything from bygone days. What everybody's trying to do especially a generation I think under 40 are trying to move on is trying to continue the peace we have in this country and stop looking towards the past where we had the troubles you know we've got over the Good Friday Agreement now and what they meant by the Red Hands was, wasn't was a symbol uh, of, of what was there in the past simply a symbol of those that murdered that young journalist they have blood on their hands uh, there was no symbol at all there to do with things in the past. Uh, that's uh, Pat there on text 0862 103 103. And a lot of those would have actually uh, th- themselves uh, said that and that's what they meant when they were doing that particular act. Uh, uh, their way of protest uh, and that shouldn't happen anyway anymore I mean there's, uh, what went down last week in Derry should not happen in this country uh, and we, as I said we discussed that at, uh, at the start of the programme as well and you would have heard opinions on that and something that we spoke about yesterday to do with licences and people not obtaining their full licence and still holding on to their learner permit and they're driving around with that and fail to turn up to their driving test or take their driving test meaning they can continue to drive in with the learner permit after we discussed that yesterday, a lot of people were in contact with us over the trader license issue, which is affecting so many who operate uh, in the line of uh, building or farmers or fishermen or small business people, uh, mainly in rural areas who just feel this trader license issue, even though we discussed that at length at the start when it came out first, they still think it's causing problems and that is just bizarre. I mentioned a number of comments yesterday with regards to that. Uh, John, who texted towards the close of the programme yesterday, said, I agree 100% with all of your comments yesterday. Yes, farmers, builders, fishermen, self-employed businesses and indeed small businesses are all affected by this trailer farce. Uh, Could you get one of those local TDs, councillors or indeed the Road Safety Authority to discuss the difference between the person who passed their test the day before or the day after they changed the laws. Why is the latter discriminated so harshly even though their livelihoods depends on this? Why wasn't it phrased in for new drivers or phased in uh, for new drivers and not go backwards? There's thousands caught up in this every day and many of these are competent drivers but at this stage may not be able to sit a theory test at this late stage. Uh, Please can we stop this fraud from continuing as they are the backbone of rural life and they are terrifying people who need to go and get supplies and need to go to the marsh. Please give these people a voice, JP, says John. Well, at the time we gave these people a voice, we discussed it at length at the time when it actually came in and the ruling came in from uh, the Road Safety Authority on that particular issue of the changes of the driving licences. But we will go back tomorrow to the trailer licence issue. 
Uh, we are discussing an issue with a farming group tomorrow on the show, so we will go back and raise that issue of the concerns this still has for people in rural areas. And also uh, an email that came in and a few calls that came in yesterday evening after the show as well. Uh, one of those from Bill, who lives in Bantir. It's regarding the Ballymacourt Cross. He says the speed of traffic at Ballymacourt Cross is deadly from cars coming from the Killarney and Mallow directions. Also, he says people are driving through the cross while they're on the phones. Now, we know no works are going to happen at that particular cross. No time frame on that, but they are going to create, as far as we know, a roundabout there in that area because there's been so many accidents happening at that particular cross. But again, Bill making the point that he, he, what he was watching over the last few days is the speed of traffic. And everybody that approaches and knows the road does slow down because it's such a dangerous junction. Maybe if you're not aware of the area, you're driving along, you come around the corner, you are on top of the junction before you know it. And maybe that's what's happening here on a week like this when many people are off work, not too sure is it just this week or, or every week. But anyhow, Bill making the point, speeding at Bellingbrook Cross, uh, waiting for another accident to happen there if that continues. Your views are welcome. 1850-333-103. Bernie takes your comments. You can text or WhatsApp 0862-103-103. Yesterday in McCurtain Street in the Metropole Hotel, there was auditions going on for The Young Offenders, that popular TV show set here in Cork. And we've spoken before with Demi Isaac, of course, from Mallow. We spoke to her about her time on Dancing with the Stars. She's one of the main characters in The Young Offenders. Well, they were looking for new cast members yesterday. A lot of auditions were held. and We were there at the auditions our reporter Murray too we went along to the Metropole we're going to hear from some of those that auditioned yesterday and why they went along to look for a role within the Young Offenders that after midday also a pet advice with Jane after midday and our Garlifal on the way between now and midday but uh, before all that we're going to discuss mediation and if you've been in a situation with your neighbours dealing with a dispute can mediation help you we'll speak with the Mediators Institute of Ireland next C103 Jobs and on today's job spot, we have opportunities for a handyman wanted for repairs and maintenance of rented homes. You can contact 087 A skilled general operative is required for an immediate start in the North Cork and South Limerick areas. Full driving licence is essential and some experience of working on building sites is necessary. Contact Dave on 087-2400-653. And Cronin's Food Store in Ballylicky require a full-time shop assistant. You can contact Contact 027 50106. You'll find these details and more job opportunities online now. Just go to c103.ie forward slash job. You're listening to Cork Today on replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. Cork Today on C103. Call Patricia with your comment. 1850 333 now, the MMI is the principal organisation for mediators in Ireland with over 700 members. They deal with day-to-day local issues and disputes that people may find themselves in. With more, I'm joined by Brian O'Byrne, who's the Honorary Secretary of the Mediators Institute of Ireland. A very good morning to you and thanks for joining us in studio, Brian, this morning. I'm glad to be here, John Paul. Thank you. Uh, first of all, this is something that we get so many calls about on a daily basis where people need to go somewhere about an issue. It can be a small issue regarding boundaries for neighbours or an issue within families on inheritance but first of all before we get into that just about your group what is your group all about and how did this all come about? Well the Mediators Institute of Ireland was established back in the 90s When you're ready to pop the question the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring 
At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. And it has over 700 members. But over the years, we've enlarged our sector base. So it's really, it's a broad church of, of people dealing with a broad church of different specialist subjects. So we can deal with subjects ranging from, ranging from the workplace, separating couples, community, the elderly and uh, uh, agriculture, other ones like that. So there's all, we have experts in all these fields and these can be found on the Mediators Institute website, the MII.ie. We have a very uh, simple facility there where you, if you're looking for a mediator, all you have to do is put in the sector that you want the mediator from, what county do you want the, media- the mediation to be take, take place in? And we have another facility there that it, it, it's very specific. Some people don't want a local person to do the mediation. They might even need an outsider. So if you go into that facility, you can choose the mediator from whatever county they, they, they are from. So if they're outside Cork, you might feel more comfortable getting somebody outside Cork. But you know they're available to come to Cork for the mediation. Alternatively, if you want a local person, then you can just sort them into groups and you get all the Cork people to, uh, identified one after, one after the other. So it's just a matter of choosing them. But they all have their own individual profiles available as well. So once you click on one, you can look at each profile and decide well, which person you think is best for you. You're not, you don't have to engage them. You can just email them or ring them and ask them are they available. What they, you can make your own mind up as to what you think of them over the phone. And then eventually, if the other party's happy, then you can engage the mediator. And the whole mediation process will be simple enough. The mediator would ensure that it's an, a non-threatening environment. They would try and bring the parties together to resolve the dispute and talk to each other. In a lot of these cases, people would not have spoken to each other for years over these issues. And uh, it, th- things like this fester, it spreads family-wide, that the, the neighbours all have different impressions of what went on. And, I mean, if, if it goes down the legal route, if you engage solicitors and go to court, the end result w- is that the judge will decide in favour of one or the other of the parties. So somebody will be very unhappy and somebody will probably feel they've won the case, but that's cost them fortune and it mightn't be worth it. But the whole purpose of mediation is to bring people together, to get them to sit down and listen to what they each feel has happened. Because in a lot of cases, people do not fully understand the impact that the action has had on the other party. But a mediator would use his, their, his or her skills to facilitate the conversation, which would mean that the, each party will be given time to outline what happened and how it affected them, and the other party then can respond to that, and they may say, well, I didn't realise that that's the impact it had. So if you get them talking, you can end up reaching a resolution between the parties. And that's the whole purpose of mediation. It's, it's very cost-effective, and it's very speedy as well. If people agree to go to mediation, a mediation can occur within a couple of weeks. The whole issue could be resolved in a matter of weeks if the parties are willing to engage with each other. So that, that's why we want to promote mediation rather than let people go down the legal route and where nobody is happy in, in, in the long term and it doesn't build the bridges that are, 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 have been broken in the past. And when you speak about getting the parties together, is that bringing people into the same room or would you discuss with someone in one area and then have somebody else in a different room on a different day and try and work it out separately that way? Well, each each case is different, but 
overall the purpose of mediation will be to try and bring the parties in direct contact with each other. Now, in some cases, there may be reasons that they just won't sit down with each other at the, at the outset. In those cases, they can the mediator could actually visit them separately and talk through the process with them and then maybe bring them together in a, a hotel or meeting room but keep them separate until they're comfortable. And, ba- and basically, the mediator will caucus between them and try and work out well. Uh, how do I get these people together where they're comfortable? So mediator will not force anybody to sit with somebody that they're not comfortable with. That's the, that's that's one of the the primary, uh, and that's why the mediators go through this the training that the MII insists on. These are all certified mediators who've done the training, know how to deal with power imbalances, know how to deal with these situations as they arise. If discussions get heated in the middle of a mediation session, the mediator will decide to take a break. We'll say, OK, I think we have to go into caucus. I'll take you both separately and talk to you both separately. And if things calm down, the mediator can bring them back together. But if it gets too explosive, the mediator will say, OK, we'll take a break today and maybe we'll come back together in a week or so. So the mediator will handle things to try and keep things on a low, low level, keep things low key and make sure that there's no threatening behaviour really occurring during the mediation session. And just giving examples, I suppose, of what you mediate with. And as I mentioned there, uh, the biggest calls we get is disputes within families and neighbour disputes. And, and one of those can be boundaries. Boundaries is always a big dispute with neighbours. Yes. The big thing we get is someone puts up a fence. It can be in a rural area or a town. The fence is too far on someone's garden. So it's giving basically someone that the neighbour, one of the neighbours, bigger or larger ground than they should have. Uh, in a situation like that, how, how do you approach that? Uh, how do you deal with those situations? Because you have neighbours who are more or less are next door to each other, uh, yeah. looking at each other every day in the area, but aren't talking now because X Y Joe next door has put the fence into Anne's lawn too far and yeah. the whole neighbourhood is talking about them. They all are aware yes. they're fighting. They can't get on the legal route. It's too much. Uh, how do you solve a typical situation like that? Well, probably the simplest way to do it is because we think both parties would know that if they do go down the legal route, a judge will probably look at a folio and say, look, I'll draw a line across here and that's where the fence should be. And the judge won't have the time to really go into it in detail. But a mediator would bring the people together. And a mediator, if they, if they feel that it would, be, it would benefit the situation, a mediator would actually go out and visit the plot with, the, with the, the people themselves. Listen to them explain how they believe the fence should be here or there. Talk it through and then look at the options. I mean, it may not be necessary for the fence to be moved right back to where one person feels it should be. There might be some compromise. They may just need uh, the extra space for, for one reason or other. But these are things the mediator would tease out with them and get them to discuss. So once they, once they appreciate the impact that the, the positioning has had on the other person, there might, there might be, hopefully, there'll be a willingness to, to uh, broker some type of a deal. Even though they may not agree totally who owns that patch of land, but, I mean, if the fence is positioned in such a way that they're both happy with it, then they might be able to say, OK, we live with that, and then we, we don't have to be boozing buddies after this, but at least we won't go around giving dirty looks to each other a- a- afterwards. So that's what mediation is all about. It's dealing with these situations, trying to see what each party actually wants from this. What, what, what will benefit them? What are they happy to accept from it? I mean, you might find that neither party wants the whole area. They only want a part of it. And could those discussions go on for a number of weeks or how long and typically would you want the discussions to last well, no, for? Normally, a, a mediation session would normally take um, a, a couple of hours. I mean, if it, if it involved a visit, OK, it might be a, a day. But, but I'd, I'd be hopeful that a certified mediator would have the experience to, get to work out what 
the requirements are from each side, what what their outcomes that they, they desire are, and be able to talk them through it and find a compromise. So it may well be done in one day. If people have to go off and think about it, I mean, one, one option would be maybe one party would offer some financial benefit to the other party to, to buy the land off them or wherever it is or buy a patch of it. So these are options that they may have to go home and consider and they'd come back a week or two later and decide, yes, we'll accept that offer for that patch and we'll, we'll rectify it on the folio that that now belongs to the other party. But these are options that uh, a mediator can help them explore, whereas a judge wouldn't be able to go down that route, wouldn't, wouldn't be able to be as integrated as that in, in trying to establish what an outcome would be. So any everything's on the table. I mean, parties are encouraged to talk talk about everything, look at all the options, and the mediator will help them explore all the options. The mediator will not make a decision. The mediator's not there to say, OK, I think that you should draw the line here. The mediator will not do that. The mediator will only facilitate a resolution that both parties are totally happy with. So and then at that stage, they will sign a mediation agreement, and they can both agree that this is a legally binding contract under the Mediation Act 2017, they have the power to agree this as a legally binding contract, which is enforceable through the courts. And from neighbourhood disputes then, when it gets into families, we mentioned you were coming on and we had a lady contacted us who basically is in a situation whereby uh, she was caring for her mother for a number of years. Yes. The mother has passed away now and she was basically living in with the mother. She has her own home as well, but she was living in with the mother towards the end of, of the mother's years. Um, there's only herself and two other siblings. And because of this now, uh, the family home is going to be given because uh, obviously the will came out and I'm not too sure what the situation was with the whole will situation, but the family home was going to one of the other siblings okay. and two of them basically they feel like you know they're not getting anything out of this even though one of them was caring for her mother all along in a situation like this I mean, how is it possible to deal with a situation like this it's a very sensitive issue because you have someone that they all loved just passed away but then you have one family member who has given over a lot of their time and life to their mother and they feel they're walking away with nothing yes they are, they're very sad situations and I've, I've seen that a lot in where siblings ha- have actually been left totally destroyed really over something that's happened and they don't talk to each other. But in situations like that, I think what a certified mediator would do would try and encourage them all to come together. And I think it, just talking it through, obviously one of them now owns the house and they're probably legally entitled to that house and the other feels very aggrieved. But I mean, if if they've grown up together, they must have some concern. So there must be some appreciation for the value that was put in by the other person. And that's what a mediator will have to talk through there. And I think by so doing that, in a non-threatening environment, what would happen would that the mediator would let them say, speak their minds and explain what they feel that they should be entitled to from the, the house and then see what response that the actual owner of the house has to the, to the siblings' requirements. And it's really just teasing it all out then. I mean, you can't force, the media can't force somebody to say, OK, I'll give you 50,000 for looking after our mother. But at least by sitting down and talking about it, there's a potential there for an agreement between themselves for some type of compromise. It may not be financial, it may be acknowledgement, it might be some other kind of, kind of um, facility or some option or some gesture that's made on behalf of the others. Because I presume a lot of these are not going to all sit in one room. You'll get some siblings that will. You'll get some then who just do not, no matter what you say, will not look at each other, will not talk to each other. You you know the ones that that I'm probably talking about more than I do. And they will not go near a situation like that. But 
they might be tempted after a few weeks to go in and speak to a mediator on their own and not discuss anything with their siblings. Exactly. Could that, be, that could be worked on too if, that, if they're not willing all to meet. That can definitely be worked on because things, one, there has to be full agreement from all parties to engage in mediation. It's a totally voluntary process. It's a confidential process. But there must be a willingness by all parties to, to engage in it. Now some people are reluctant because they don't know what mediation is all about and that, that is where a, a mediator would help out. A mediator will be happy to talk to the party separately on the phone and meet them personally to discuss the process and discuss potential options that could be raised in the mediation session. So a mediator will be there trying to facilitate as best they can these parties to come together in an informal way to discuss the, the issues that are between them. So a mediator is always there to help as best that they can. I mean, in some cases, there's a blank wall there. One party mm. says, no, and I don't want to talk to that person ever again. The mediator can't force them to do that. But you'd be hopeful because they're siblings, because of family connections and relationships there, that there will be some give and there will be some compromise, even just to discuss the matters between themselves. And just regarding work situations, I have a text in here from Edge who's saying, what about the situation whereby companies offer companies to come in and talk to their workers if they're having a problem? Do you know, a lot of these companies have these care line calls like that. Yes. In a situation whereby there's a work dispute, are your mediators allowed to go in? Are the companies happy for you to intervene in, in those particular disputes? Yes, and it's often better to have a mediator from outside come into a company in such situations because if, if disputes arise in, in work whether it be between a staff member and the HR division or it could be between a manager and an employee those situations are ideal for mediation but they have to happen early on because if the, if the situation festers if these people don't get on and one goes out on long term sick leave and accuses them at the company of allowing somebody else to bully them that case will go to the Workplace Relations Commission hmm. but at the end of the day that, that employee will probably never come back to the company and I mean, all the good uh, input they've had over the years is lost to the company so I mean it's very important that companies be very watchful of situations in staff issues and if they see any upset at all to engage early and ask the staff to will they be happy to engage in mediation if they have an internal mediator the staff may be happy to use the company's internal mediator but if not they, they, they can bring in an outside mediator at any time and the mediators institute have uh, hundreds of workplace mediators who will be available to go into companies and meet staff separately and bring them together and discuss the issues because often what happens is if these these situations are allowed to develop what happens is Two, two factions occur in, in the workplace and people side with one or other and then there's kind of division down the right across the floor. It affects the whole staff. It affects yeah. the, all it the, the company. staff. And I mean, the company's, the morale drop yeah. over these instances. So they need to be addressed very early on. But the mediators institute certainly have uh, hundreds of work, workplace mediators who'd be more than happy to uh, get in there and try and s- resolve these problems as soon as possible. We mentioned there about the family situation uh, already. We're getting calls and texts in about that. Uh, you mentioned there, and this was an example we got fr- from a listener whereby uh, the will had been given and, 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 and the family had heard the will and basically one sibling got everything, put, yes. to put it that way. Uh, this person in text is saying, uh, speaking us up on this, he's saying, well, it's wrong because the children are entitled to one third between them unless signed off for their share. But if yeah. the will is saying that this one sibling is getting everything, uh, I mean, how do you dispute that the will when well, this when this texture is saying that we're wrong and, and that the, the everybody in the family should get their share? Okay, well, if that's the way if that's the way the will is worded. Then that that's an official will. Now, either any party can challenge it, but they have to go to the courts to challenge mm. it, and and that's the way it's done. But I mean, if the parties are willing to discuss it confidentially and voluntarily themselves, they can bring in a mediator. 
But to, unless the party who's inherited the full property is willing to negotiate at mediation, then there's not going to be any resolution. So because it, that it, person is entitled to it. By yeah. law, the will yeah. says that this particular sibling gets everything. Exactly. And that's There's no there. mention of the other two, it was just There's this no one. There's no mention of yeah. the other two, and that's the unfortunate thing about it. So really, unless the, the one who owns the property is willing to discuss and mediate with the other parties, a mediator can't force them to intermediation. So they have to, there has to be a willingness and a voluntary nature involved there. Otherwise, the, the other parties, the two siblings, would have to go to court to try and fight for yeah. their rights if they feel they're entitled to a third of the property. And do you have situations in the real world whereby things just don't work out? You bring people in for mediation and for some reason or another, it doesn't work out. What happens in that circumstance? It, it just won't work for some reason. They won't, they won't agree in anything. Yeah, I mean, it happens. I mean, I think overall mediation, uh, on average, I think we've heard about 70% success rate of mediation. And, and these those mediations could take a number of sessions. And But I mean, it does happen that people will not agree. Because, I mean, they're too far apart from the beginning. And in prayers, you might get compromised on some issues. There might be some big financial disagreement that they won't settle on a figure that one has to pay the other. So a mediator can do only do as much as they can do. And I mean, they can encourage the parties to go off and think about it or get legal advice, get financial advice, and then come back to the mediator if they feel that they can make further headway. But no, I, I've come across it numerous times where the parties are so far apart and regardless of how much effort the, the mediator makes, the parties just simply don't like each other and won't. <laughs> they, it's a, probably a long t- long-term relationship that yeah. just has fallen, fallen, uh, fallen away and they're just not interested in engaging with each other. So, and it, even I think it's even, it's a wonder that they actually came to mediation in the first place. But at least if they're willing to come to mediation, the mediator will do what they can. And there is and success stories, I presume, there as well. Oh, that there's it huge, is I mean, particularly... More success than, than, than negative, I presume. Oh, I mean, there's huge success stories. and But the important thing is, it can relieve such, so, so huge burdens of fall on people who are in dispute. And I mean, they have sleepless nights over these things. And I mean, I've seen the success rate of mediation where on a personal level for people who reach the resolution, they they just light up after it. I mean, it, it, a big burden has been taken off their shoulders, uh, particularly in family disputes, normal neighbour disputes, like people who can talk to each other again after years of, of, kind of fighting and infighting, whatever. Suddenly, all of a sudden, you can see the weight being lifted off everyone's shoulders. And they've all gained something from mediation, which is the beauty of mediation. Both parties can actually gain something that they're happy with from mediation. Whereas you go down the legal route, it'll cost you a lot more and it'll be one winner and one loser. Speaking of cost, how much, and roughly an average cost for mediation? Well, as I said, a ballpark figure would be in around a session for 150 to 200 euro for a mediator to meet people for a couple of hours to try and resolve an issue. If they have to come back a few weeks later, probably the same cost again. But at least something will be happening for them if they come back. Now, in bigger cases, I mean, there are huge commercial cases going on where there's hundreds of thousands, even millions involved. And the commercial mediations will be a lot more costly. And you'd have to negotiate before the mediations as to what the price will be of these commercial mediators because they're a different ballgame altogether. Okay, well, if people want information, the best way to contact uh, on the website, is that the best way to get in contact with you? The Mediators Institute of Ireland. The website is www.themii.ie. And the first thing you see there is a find the media find a mediator facility which you can key in your speciality, your county, and you'll get a list of people who are available to mediate in that area.
OK, but a lot of support uh, is needed for situations like we've discussed mm-hmm. there. And I think a lot of people are are, are also in a situation where they can't afford legal costs. So this could be a, another alternative for them. Um, if, if people have different views on this. Uh, this person saying your guests are implying that it's OK to move the fence uh, to your neighbour. Uh, then it's not. The victims have rights also. But that's, I suppose, where you but go in the, and sit down. I see, the mediator doesn't decide who's a victim, who isn't yeah. a victim. It, it's, it's a personal dispute. If they're willing to discuss it amongst themselves, the mediator will facilitate that discussion. The mediator will not dictate that the fence be moved three foot to the left or three foot to the right. So it's a diff- it, different than th- th- a legal offering. If there's total yeah. agreement between the parties. That's, that's when it, the it will does change. Not, does yeah. not impose any resolution on anyone. Okay, well for the moment, Brian, thanks for joining us in studio. Again, if people want information on mediators, you go to www.themii.ie uh, That's Brian O'Byrne, who's Honorary Secretary of the Mediators Institute of Ireland. Thanks for joining us this morning, Brian. Our guard of is next. Record today on C103. Text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment. 0862103103. And time for this week's Gardafile. I'm joined by Sergeant James O'Donovan. Good morning to you, James. Good morning. How are you? I'm fine, thanks. We'll start uh, with an appeal. And first of all, a burglary in uh, Dunmanway. Yes, um, our first appeal there is in relation to a burglary that occurred there between the 12th of April and the 16th of April. So you could basically say over that weekend... Um, a number of items were st- stolen from a shed such as a lawnmower and a hedge trimmer taken from an unsecured shed there in the Riverdale area of Dunmanway. We're asking for members of the public if they, they saw anyone suspicious or anything out of the ordinary in the Riverdale area at that time to contact the Gardaí at Dunmanway or Clannacilty. Um, I suppose we're moving on then to another number of tests of items in the in the Inneskeen area, the Castlemore Inneskeen area there on the 18th of April and the 19th of April last. Um, again, we're asking for members of the public if they saw anyone acting suspicious or a strange van. I suppose one of the items that was removed in this was uh, a twin axle trailer, so it would have been fairly recognisable if it was being taken by a strange van around that Castlemore area in Inneskeen on the 18th or 19th of April. So contact Gardaí in Bandon, if anyone has any information in relation to any sightings of suspicious activity there. And just for people to be aware of our property as well, outdoors from this time of the year onwards, we always see an increase, not all the time, but sometimes in, in property that might, might not be locked away uh, in outdoor sheds, etc. That's correct. Look, I suppose we're, we're entering this summer season now and people are getting busy out in the gardens and stuff like that and they might just put down the streamers or even put the streamers back in the shed without locking it. We're asking people to secure it. And I suppose moving on from that, we are also endorsing the fact that people need to get to used to properly marking their um, their items, such as their their tools, their lawnmowers, and so forth. I know today it was endorsed there by the Minister of Communications, Climate Action, and Environmental Richard Bruton, and the Minister of Justice Charlie Fanagan to today to use the air code when they're properly marking their property. And this can range from anything from lawnmowers, as I said earlier, on to farmers. Uh, properly marking heavy machinery such as trailers and even um, transport machinery and uh, and cultivation machinery and so forth. Okay, and also the bank holiday weekend is coming up, but before that, uh, there's been a, a lot of accidents on our roads over the last few months. You wanted appeal for an accident uh, that happened this week. Yes, we have uh, two accidents that we're looking for uh, witness appeals there for. The first accident happened on the 23rd of April. That would have been last Monday. It occurred there at... Uh, approximately half two twenty half one twenty to two in the afternoon at uh, Dunkareen in Ashannon. Uh, I suppose we're looking for members of the public who would have been in that area at the, around that time last Monday to contact Gardaí and Bandon. 
And the second traffic accident we're looking for uh, witnesses for is in relation to this morning's traffic traffic accident. It approximately happened at half five, very early in the morning. We are aware that there mightn't be too many people on the road, but there are people leaving for work early in the morning from Skibreen and Westford or heading to Cork. It happened on the N71 in an area called New Mill. It's between Rathcarbury and Clannacilty. Again, it happened at about half five this morning, so anyone that may have been on the road at that time to contact Gardaí and Clannacilty. And the Maybank Holiday Weekend is on the way. A lot of festivals, James, we have, I know the Rally of the Lakes is in Clarny, but also that takes in areas of Beira and also of Midcork. There's the festivals in Kinsale, in Ballady Hub. So you're just warning people to be careful and mindful of road safety over the weekend. And usually uh, with rallies when they come on, we always get calls about the uh, so-called donuts on the roads. And usually it's kickstart yes. uh, at the start of the summer. And, it, and it's been brought to my attention there over the last number of weeks that there seems to be an increase of these, um, I suppose, I don't like using the term, boy racers doing these donuts on roads, um, uh, particularly around the country areas there late at night. Um, I know from the, the rally weekend last that we've had a number of uh, people prosecuted and they're before the courts for dangerous driving in relation to because they were caught here by our road policing traffic unit here in Bandon. Um, where I'm asking people just to be, look, obviously not to, participate in this behaviour because it's dangerous driving and we certainly don't want anyone to be injured or even, I, I suppose, killed as a result of this kind of behaviour. But even if people see or hear these cars coming around the area, to contact Gardaí and we can get the resources out there to deal with those um, people that are c- causing this um, behaviour out on the roads at the weekends. Um, in particular, down at Kinsale with the Kinsale Sevens uh, in the Cork West for the Maybank holiday weekend, we're just asking people to be Go to the events, enjoy them, um, be careful, be it um, when they're socialising, not to go too, I suppose, not to really go too hard on the, on the drink from the point of view that they need to ensure that their own personal safety is paramount at all times and to be mindful of the vast volumes of traffic that are going to be entering Kinsale and indeed Baldy Hub Jazz Festival for the weekend of the Maybank Bank Holiday weekend. And very finally, something we covered earlier in the week on our news service, this is Coastal Watch and this is for anybody living in any part of the coast over Cork uh, to be mindful and report any activity that they might feel is suspicious, maybe on piers or along beachfronts or anything like that. Yes, uh, last week we had a seminar uh, in Kinsale uh, with um, the multi-agency initiative with the the Naval Service and the Revenue Customs, where we basically are asking members of the public to report anything that they see suspicious along the coast. This can be from outboard engines to suspicious activity and crime, but also in the area of illegal importation of drugs into Ireland. I suppose one of the, some of the, fisc, the risk factors that we're asking people to be wary of is suspicious activity in relation to people and vehicles around piers and landing areas, ships and yachts that might be sighted in remote areas that might might normally be there um, unusual objects at the sea or shore that they might have been washed up and ships away from their normal shipping lanes and vessels operating at night without lights contact either ourselves at Bandingar Station or the confidential fee number for the Customs Drugs Watch which is 1800 295 295 or ourselves here at Bandingar Station or any of the emergency numbers also 
Okay, James, well, thank you for that. And we'll chat again soon. That is Sergeant James O'Donovan there joining us from Bandon Garda Station with this week's Garda File. On the way, uh, more of your calls and comments on directly elected mayors, on election posters. We're also going to hear about how one candidate has had a trailer containing some election posters and the trailer covered with election posters stolen overnight. We'll hear about that. And indeed, uh, get your questions in for Jane, our vet. Any pet questions you have, get them into us now. 1850 Text or WhatsApp 0862 We spoke earlier about the mayor and people's views on the directly elected mayor, especially from the county, as if this does go ahead, it's just for the city and people feel the county will lose out because this mayor will have power to uh, talk to businesses maybe attract businesses and uh, do other things in the city that might leave the county behind is a fear coming from a lot of councillors based within County Hall uh, who, are, who are, are obviously across all areas of the county uh, but have a concern for those areas near enough to the city which could lose out because of the fact that you will have decisions made now by a directly elected mayor if that goes ahead for city areas but not for the county and people feel we should be going forward as Cork that's Cork as a whole rather than Cork as a city and forgetting the county on this uh, a few texts in first of all a text just saying why do we need these mayors at all it's more money wasted we should not have these particular mayors in place and a few texts uh, similar to that from Anne who's saying I agree with this uh, directly elected mayor in some sense but the fact that it's only going to represent a part of Cork I don't agree with that and I think having a driver earning 35,000 euros is a waste of money maybe bring back the town councils if they're uh, scrapping town councils because they felt they were a waste of money well bring them back because certainly the way they're acting with this particular elected mayor situation looks like a waste of money before it ever starts uh, says Anne and speaking when Councillor Kevin Murphy was speaking about the driver and the driver for the if the newly directly elected mayor I guess to go ahead and people voted in uh, in the plebiscite in the city if it does get voted in the seemingly the driver is going to get €35,000 a year and we had a lot of callers on who said well during the recession uh, we lost our wages by way of cuts they still haven't come back up to what they were before the recession and now we're hearing of these wages in the public sector very frustrating well on that a person on text saying our wages were also cut during the recession yet there was people owning jeeps and top class motorbikes and helicopters even so I would question the can't afford the wage aspect and more I put it down to greed pure greed says that particular texter uh, more people on to us by WhatsApp asking why doesn't the mayor drive himself a city mayor after all not the biggest place in the world uh, say a lot of people on WhatsApp and we spoke briefly about uh, well I don't want to phrase them as uh, boy racers but uh, people who on the roads uh, create those donuts you see on the roadways and people are annoyed at that and it seems to be starting up again now in the last while and usually you see a lot of, more of that over the summer months usually after certain rallies people get into their heads that they have to do this on the roadside uh, we discussed it on our Garda file before midday when Mary feels that there's a new speed merchant now on the road and a lot of it is young drivers who were still on their end plate driving small vehicles and they have no regard for people on rural roads. They feel they are in a rally. They drive at rally driver speeds uh, but she feels it's so dangerous especially on minor and rural roads. They're the new speed merchant uh, says Mary on text 0862103103 and earlier on the programme we were discussing the election posters and overnight we had an email from Michael and Michael felt 
uh, that we are a democratic country and having posters up on polls gets people talking and he feels groups like Poster Free and Taddy Towns telling people not to erect posters within the town centres was unfair on candidates because it was the only way candidates can get themselves out there and he felt they have no legal entitlement to do this so he's asking why are they let do this it's only for three to four weeks after all and we did say if there was anybody out there in the Taddy Towns and they had a view on that to contact us because everybody acknowledges the work the Taddy Towns do and even Michael does acknowledge that in his email but he's questioning the legality around how they can stop posting for elections going up because he feels we're in a democratic country well Paul Kavner from Fermoy Taddy Towns joins me on the comment line good afternoon to you Paul uh, good, good afternoon, John Paul. Uh, I suppose you would have heard there what I said regarding Michael's email. Uh, what, what's mm-hmm. your view on that? The Tidy Towns do so much great work and everybody's aware of the work you do in uh, Fermoy and then you've other Tidy Town groups in other towns who do great work to make the town look well and clean. Uh, but on his issue just alone on election posters, uh, Michael feels, democratic country, we should be allowed to have the election posters up in town centres and he, he doesn't really agree with what's happening with Taddy Towns groups and posters towns. How, how do you deal with that from people like Michael? Absolutely. Let's just clear this matter up in a way. First of all, it's an agreement. There's no laws. There's no rules. It's an agreement. An agreement for me was actually the first town to do it 20 years ago. And we made an agreement with all the election candidates at the time not to put up posters because we felt that A, they were littering the town, B, the cable toys we found were being left on the poles, and also the third element, which has since been looked after by law, was posters were being put up before the time, and posters were being left up after the time. So that was catered for in law, and there's a law that says the posters can only go up at a certain date and time, and they must come down at a certain date and time, otherwise you'll be fined. And that's uh, that's a, the law of the country, nothing to do with county councils. So, and we also had a situation, Paul, whereby posters would fall off the pole, be on the footpaths, be half hanging on, uh, outside of the table kai issue. Yes, everywhere. So the candidates, we welcome the candidates, put up their posters outside the 50-kilometre zone. And ourselves, in Formoy, we contacted the candidates uh, and any candidate who didn't know and just said, would you mind for the sake of keeping the town clean, would you please put your posters from the 50-kilometre zone outwards? And they have all agreed to do that. So I don't see what the problem is. And actually, there's a website and a Facebook site, posterfree.ie, right? That's very easy to remember. And there's actually 175 towns signed up to this already. Yeah, a load of towns have a lot more than the last few elections we've had. Yeah, absolutely. No, no. And Everybody we've spoken to this gang. We, we have spoken to Poster Free about this a number yes. of months ago. But what do you say to the likes of Michael and others who've been in contact with us this morning who feel that these posters, especially for newer candidates, that it gives them a way of getting themselves out there and it gets people talking about the election, it gets them involved in the election process and these candidates then, their faces get out there so people have an idea of who they're voting for. I personally believe what we should do, what what should be facilitated and could be facilitated, is an area of the town, like they do in Germany, where the candidates can put all their posters on one big, an area where they can put their poster in the centre of the town on a specific board. That would be a good idea. But me personally, I want to talk to the candidates. 
I don't want to see their picture. I want to talk to them. I want to find out what they're actually saying and what they're going to do about all the subjects you've been talking about this morning, John Paul, in relation to mayors and county mayors and who's running the country, who who actually has the say. But the big thing that, that, the, that the tidy towns are doing is that they're doing everything in cooperation with the council, with the community employment workers, with Avenue Blackwater, and all Ballyhora and all the other different agencies to keep our country clean. And it's working. It's working. You, you saw all the volunteers yourself recently. We've been at several functions where all the volunteers are present, all the tidy towns from Kinsale to Blarney to Mellow, wherever. And it's a fantastic organisation. I do take exception, John Paul, to one of your listeners' comments this morning that they think they own the place. I don't think so. For my Tidy Towns and every other Tidy Towns group is welcome. We do everything in cooperation. We seek permission and we don't break the boundaries. Yeah, that was Aidan earlier on who said yeah. that uh, about Tidy Towns groups. Now, the majority of people do agree with the poster free, by the way, and the majority of people are in agreement that they, they would want to see no posters up anywhere uh, across the country. So they're very much uh, agree with the, what is going on in towns and villages across not only Cork, but across Ireland also. Uh, and then you, you have, we have few calls, in, like Michael and like others who feel we should leave them up for three or four weeks because it's a democratic country. Uh, and everybody obeys this, though. As you say, it is an agreement and you You've, you've more or less over the last 20 years and for my one of the first towns to do this had this agreement in place there's never been problems there or anything over the last number of years with political parties or candidates absolutely not uh, we actually had a circus in town recently uh, and we asked them you can put them up for the week but you must take them down and they actually had them down before the last performance and actually, you know, just and as you mentioned that, yeah, cooperation, cooperation is one thing, but just a text after coming in from Angela who says, what about the fact that you have a lot of businesses who decide to put up posters or festivals around yeah. towns and in towns as right. well? How do Tidy Towns Group deals with that? Because they would work closely right. with those festivals. Absolutely. And there is no problem. You, I only can speak for the Fermoy municipal area that I'm aware of, but you go to the town hall and you put in an application, fill out an application form. I have to do it every year for, for my regatta, which is on the last Sunday in June. And you get, you're told that you can put up the, the posters, where you can put them up, uh, how many you can put up, uh, and when you can put them up, and when you take them down. And once you abide by that, you're fine. If you don't abide by that, and there are people who don't abide by it, their posters will be taken down. It's simple. There's no charge. And do you let people leave posters up for a long period of time? Do you know in some towns you would see a business or something up for like four or five or even two months? No, um, we have, yeah, I know, and I know exactly what they're alluding. There, there are some um, discrepancies in the law, such as trailers, and you will see a lot of signs on trailers, okay? And that can be a road traffic act problem uh, and not something that the council can do too much about. But where posters are elected, put on poles, they're not supposed to be put, and in any case, they're not supposed to be put on ESP poles. But they are, I see them every day. But other than that, uh, the council can remove and do remove posters where people have not sought permission to put them up. 
Okay, Paul, well, that's a good insight to your reasoning there within Fermoy Toddy Towns. Uh, thank you for contacting us on that. That is Paul Kavanagh there and the great work that they all do in Fermoy with Fermoy Toddy Towns. Uh, the views and the different views people have on uh, posters across our county. Your views are welcome. 1850-333-103. We'll stay with election posters because one candidate in Blarney, election posters which were surrounding a trailer and con- that actual trailer contained a number of the election posters. Uh, the trailer is gone missing. We'll speak to him next. The C103 Cork Diary. With Cork County Council. Supporting businesses, supporting communities, serving Cork. Visit corkcoco.ie. Dancing to the Dave Ray Band and PJ Murray Hit Band is going ahead in the Hazel Tree in Mallow on Monday 29th of April all in aid of the Chernobyl Orphanage it's a great raffle also on the night the Blood Transfusion Service they will hold donor clinics in Clauter Trassa in Canturk and that is going ahead this afternoon from 3 to 5 and again from 7 to 9 Gagan Community Hall Field Committee will hold a fundraising table quiz tomorrow night at the Astry in Old Chapel in Bandon starting there at 8.30 and Castletown Ladies Club presents a fashion show in Castletown Hall that's at 8pm proceeds to the West Cork Air Ambulance and Local Defibrillator Fund and the Church of Ireland parishes of Arhala Temple Martin Kilmurray and McCroom they're holding a sale of work in Bandon GA Pavilion that's on tomorrow evening from 7pm and a trad session in Carragoon and Mallow is on Saturday evening with Kewl Coint August Crack all kickstarts there in Mallow at 9.30 You're listening to Cork Today on Replay Phone and text lines are currently closed. Court today on C103. Call Patricia with your comment. 1850-333-103. And while we're discussing there about election posters, uh, Councillor Kevin Conway has had an issue with his election posters. Good afternoon to you, Kevin. Good afternoon. Now, you're in the Blarney area and you're now part of the new City West Ward. But uh, tell us what's happened because you had a trailer which did contain some election posters, I believe, and had election posters surrounding the trailer. But Correct, the trailer, yeah. it's gone missing. It, it has. Look, I, I, unfortunately, I'm in CUH receiving chemotherapy for cancer to one marrow, which I said I'm, I'm lying on the bed here to give you this interview at the moment, right? And that has been the case for quite a month of time over the last few weeks. So I wasn't really, number one, I had no involvement in the making of the trailer. But I didn't even get to see it except once or twice when I was left out for a day or two. So my friends and neighbours came together and decided to put this trailer together for me. I had an existing trailer. They made a box from, um, we'll say, uh, metal. And then they, they timbered it, plywooded it, painted it, put up the posters on it, put new lights in the back, put a new jockey wheel on the front, put a new hitch on the front, and got it all repainted up to scratch. And then decided to park it about 100 yards above my house last Sunday between 1 and 2 o'clock. And we do know it was, number one, was parked there, by one of the team. It was seen there again at 6 o'clock by one of the team, and we think there may be sightings up to 9 o'clock. But after that, the trailer has completely disappeared. 
no oh, sightings. They have trailer to miss, I put it that way to you. Well, it is. I have a picture of it here, and uh, right, it's, yeah. it's making the echo today also. And yeah. they, it shows, your, obviously, your face is on the poster, and it's covering the whole outside of the trailer. So it would be hard yeah. to miss unless someone has tampered with that particular box on the trailer and taken away those posters. That could be the and other side of it. But also, you would think that if you saw someone doing this on the side of a road, uh, now, many people might have thought it was one of your team doing this for you, removing the trailer. But now right. I think from you speaking today, if you did see someone on that night, was it around Easter Easter Monday? Would it have been it Easter was, Monday it night? Was, uh, Easter Sunday, Easter Monday night. So if, if you saw exactly someone removing uh, the trailer, and whereabouts were you saying around Cologne, is it? It was, yeah, it was across roads above my house, about uh, between 15 and 100 yards above my house. And um, I, it was placed there. And look, I, I went in, I was taken in Monday morning for, oh, sorry, um, Monday evening to the hospital again. I didn't know it was missing myself. But then having said that, I was of the understanding that was being moved from place to place overnight and one thing or another. And I had no involvement in the movement. It was the, the team who, in fairness, have come up to canvassing for me were doing all that. But that was the launch of the whole campaign, was that trailer. So if someone saw the trailer be moved on that evening around uh, maybe between 6, 9 or, or onwards on that particular evening, it wasn't one of your team moving it. And now the search is on to see where the trailer has gone. If it's completely Correct. vanished, it could be inside someone's shed. Uh, it could yeah. be anywhere, really, to be honest. And any reasoning behind this? I mean, is it well, just going back into dirty politics that we see usually with these type of elections? Or is it I just mean, coincidence that someone could take the trailer? To be honest, I'm a bit perplexed about the whole thing because, right, inside in the trailer there were half a dozen posters which we all were using to store inside in the trailer before we put them up this week on poles, do you know what I mean? Excuse me. But I just, to be honest about it, I just can't figure out um, why anybody would want to do this because there was locks on the front of the trailer, there was locks on the back of the trailer. So it wasn't easy to take, I'll put it that way to you. A bit of work involved in removing it. Oh, quite a bit of work involved. And for you and your fellow candidates in the Blarney area, you're now coming into the city, so some might say you you have a new challenge entering the the new city west war there. Uh, Correct, which uh, is one of the reasons I actually decided to run, because I had represented the old constituency. I am, in fact, the only elected councillor from the old constituency that's going to be running in the new one. And I just yeah. feel that I know the system, the systems that are in place, and I have something to offer to people around the great around the area, because I've been over those systems already, and I can go in there with a clean state and start working straight away, because I would have concerns about how much Blarney and the general Blarney area are going to get out of the new system, I put it that way to you. And being under the city regime as opposed to the yes, county regime. Uh, so, first of all, the search is on for the trailer. Uh, no idea why this was done. Uh, before we, I, I wrap it up for yourself, Kevin, though, your, your health, you mentioned that you're in CUH. I know you spoke to us about this before. How is the chemotherapy going for you Look, and, and, and how, how is treatment going? Yeah, things are going well at the moment. They're up and down as we had expected that they would be. I probably am going to spend quite a number of weeks in here after this interview, I can tell you that, because they're not certain yet what kind of an effect this is going to have on the body. And as my consultant has already pointed out to me, quite clearly, the body can only deal with so much at a time. 
right? So, unfortunately, it is an unknown to an extent, and I have to take some care of myself. Uh, in the meantime, now I'm lucky to have the team that they put themselves together, by the way, to be fair to them. And I know they were out last night canvassing, but, I mean, only for them, I would have been totally lost anyway. You know what I mean? Yeah, because of but your situation, I mean, yeah. It, it, yeah, it's just an awkward situation. And, um, like, I, I had a transplant for this four years ago, exactly the same thing, cancer of the bone marrow. I was heading for another one, but unfortunately, quite recently, after doing PEP scans and MRIs, they found that it was kind of worse than it was supposed to be. So I have lesions on my spine and things like that, which actually uh, prohibited me from walking there for quite some time. And in fact, I had this very, very severe pain as well um, for the last number of months. I also got sepsis back in November, by the way, and was found back in the back seat of my car after six and a half hours, going to a meeting, a county council meeting down in, in Waterford. So I've been looking in a lot of cases, in a lot of state, you know, places, so I have to kind of watch my look as well and take care of myself. Well, do you've been through the mill? In the meantime. Oh, I've been through, there's no doubt. I mean, I, I probably, I know certain people have written certain articles about me uh, for the different things that have happened from even the first transplant. But maybe when it's all over, I'll do it myself because I would like to put up uh, the kind of positive slant on things as well. I would be positive, right? My nature would be positive, which is a help. But how, how long that positivity is going to last, I don't know. But look, I'm going to do my best. I'm going to keep the flag flying. And hopefully I'll be elected and keep the flag, flag flying for Blarney. I'm hoping by the start of June that I'll be back in full commission and out there and ready to rock and roll again, as they say. Well, keep the positivity um, up for your health anyway, which is the main thing. Absolutely, uh, that's the main thing. Keep the positivity look, up because it does make a difference. With the trailer is neither here nor there at this stage. I mean, I, the Gardaí, you're investigating that as well, to get the Blarney Gardaí, who, by the way, are brilliant. And, and the way, what work they've done already even. Now, they would all know me personally. But in fairness, I'd have full confidence in them. And any other people that are local might keep an eye out as well and let me know on my Facebook page or elsewhere that they might have had a sighting of it. Because, look, I believe, and I'm not even supposed to know this, but I believe that the team, part of the team, are uh, even made up another one as we speak as well. Like, okay, to, to get around to what, what happens. Yeah, we'll, they, we'll have a they feel that it will give them more confidence if they make up another trailer and they have it there for the purpose which was designed to be for stay because they feel a bit upset about what happened. Okay, Kevin, well, well, best of luck uh, with everything, especially uh, with everything for your health there yes. uh, while you're in CUH. Uh, hope that all goes well for you. And yes. if anybody has seen that trailer or something strange happening to that trailer on Easter Monday night, uh, well, then you can contact Blarney Garda Station. For the moment, Kevin, uh, best of luck to you. Uh, that's Thank his councillor. No problem. Councillor Kevin Conway there, independent councillor in the Blarney area. Uh, first of all, strange goings on. The trailer containing some of his election posters as we're talking about election posters well his team will have a problem erecting any because some of them were stolen and so was the trailer on Easter Monday evening uh, and also the main thing is health and we, and we wish him best of luck with health whatever about elections or posters health is wealth and um, yeah, you can't do much about your health so best of luck to him with your health uh, while he's been time there in CUH uh, pet questions are welcome our vet Jane Pickett is along very shortly if you have any questions for a pet in your household get them into us uh, Jane is along from the Island Wood Veterinary Hospital in Newmarket you can call Bernie now 1850-333-103 or indeed text or WhatsApp 0862-103-103 just a few texts in on different items taking place in across the county uh, over the next few days for a number of events. First of all, 
at the Mushra Platform Fundraising Afternoon Tea Dance. Uh, that's going ahead in a marquee in Banagree Village. That's on Sunday next, the 28th of April. Music is by Autumn Gold. It goes on there in Banagree from 3 to 5.30. Spot prizes on the door and proceeds on the day are to go to the Banagree Playground Development. And also Laharan Cross Fundraising Dance is going ahead at the Star Tracks Music Venue in Nocknagree. That's on this Saturday and it's going ahead from 9.30. Music is by Mike Condon. And an email in to say possibly you can mention this on your show uh, the Lorraine O'Reardon Gospel Choir Concert Shine Your Light an evening of uplifting music and that's going ahead in the Adele Quinn Hall in Kenturk on this Saturday from 8pm with proceeds in aid of Cork Mental Health and St. Patrick's Hospital in Kenturk Your pet questions are welcome Jane Pickett of the Islandwood Veterinary Hospital in Newmarket joins us next and Jane Pickett of the Islandwood Veterinary Hospital in Newmarket part of the Military Veterinary Group joins us Good afternoon to you Jane Hi there now, a lot of questions in, so keep them coming to us on 1850 Or you can text or WhatsApp 0862 uh, First of all, Kay in Charnival has a question. This is a Maltese Bichon cross she has, four years old. Now, mostly this dog is inside the house, but she seems to be allergic to grass. When she goes out in the fine weather, she starts scratching. So can there be something like a dog allergy testing available or can a dog be allergic to grass? Uh, yes and yes. So it's very difficult. We see a huge amount of these seasonal allergies, very much like humans kind of with hay fever or seasonal allergies to particular plants that have pollen about at various times of the year. I think by the sounds of our caller here, it does seem to happen in the fine weather at a particular time of year. So it does sound like it may well be a seasonal problem if it has happened before and settled down and kind of came back at a similar time of year. Now, you can do allergy testing. There are blood tests available, but I suppose the question is, how much will they tell us? So a lot of the time it's that a dog or cat is allergic to something in the environment. And sometimes if it was for something like grass or a particular type of leaf or pollen, avoidance would be in an ideal world the best but in the end of the day, if, if it is grass that we're allergic to, the grass is always going to be there. You can't limit access to grass. So we can test for it and speak to your vet about doing allergy testing and also just ruling out the other common causes of itching and scratching. So fleas, mites, lice um, or possibly skin infections. Just double check with your vet. Um, they will be able to line you up with an allergy test if they felt that would, appro- would be appropriate. Um, but what I would say is sometimes really the best course of action, avoidance ideally, if it was something easy to avoid. But sometimes it's controlling the symptoms. So ensuring that your pet is comfortable and that we reduce the itching symptoms. Um, So your vet will be able to guide you as to if medication is appropriate and how to use that in a seasonal allergy situation. And just staying with allergies, because Rita has been in touch, her dog has a sore eye. She thinks it could be or look like hay fever, but then can dogs get this? You've explained that there regarding the yeah, eyes. Regarding the eyes, they can do. I think in humans, my, my medical knowledge is, is not official as it were, but I so I understand that we can get watery eyes. And I know myself, yeah. I kind of suffer with a similar type of hay fever at, at various points in the year. Um But with dogs, we don't generally seem to see it as manifesting with watery eyes. It's more of kind of an itchy skin. Um, So it's possible, theoretically, that it could be allergies. But I think in dogs, the common things are common. Sometimes, let's say, eye infections, a little kind of conjunctivitis, as it were, an infection of the eye and the surrounding tissues is a lot more common than, let's say, we would see an allergy manifesting as watery eyes. So I'd pop to your vet, double check that there's no problem with the eyes, no kind of scratches on the surface that would be causing watery eyes through pain. um, And just for them to double check if there's an infection or not, if it needs treatment. All right. Any idea how to groom a nervous Scott Terrier? He's 18 months from Derek and Mallow. Ah, 
first and foremost, I would say if you're trying to groom a, a little, it's a Scottish Terrier, is that right? Uh, uh, yeah, a Scottish yeah. Terrier. Yeah. So they, they require a good amount of upkeep. So I would say, first of all, leave it to the professionals. Um, find a lovely local groomer in your area that has appropriate experience with grooming that breed. Um, it's kind of like us. I wouldn't cut my own hair. I'd go to the hairdresser. Do you know what I mean? So I think if we're nervous in particular, um, being used to doing it is, is a really big help. So having the confidence to do the grooming. And I suppose us as pet owners at home, we wouldn't have the same confidence a professional groomer would have. Now, if we're particularly nervous, I would always advise your groomer that, you know, their little dog's a little bit nervous. If he ever shows any signs of aggression, absolutely make sure to tell them that so for their own safety. Um, sometimes we can let's say take it slow or the groom could be spread over a course of a number of days just to do a little bit here and there if we were particularly nervous but I think really it's habituation getting them used to the routine of going into the groomer so that they know that nothing bad is going to happen a lot of the time they're just anticipating something nasty going to happen and it doesn't in reality so I think they're very smart once they clock that nothing bad's going to happen they'll be fine I think if you are particularly worried speak to your vet about other options as regards sedation but in the normal course of events that wouldn't be required for most dogs even if they are a little bit nervous sometimes just kind of taking our time can do the trick Okay uh, Hi Jane uh, person on WhatsApp no name on this but uh, has a male neutered cat now they let the cat out during the day but mm-hmm. when they let the cat out the cat, the cat, they don't see the cat it isn't around the garden or around the house it seems to go missing all day but then will come back at night time so mm-hmm. where could the, back, the cat be especially when the cat is neutered? having fun in the sunshine I would say yeah. <laughs> is the most likely thing cats are incredibly independent creatures um, they do like to potter off and you know go about their own business during the day I would suspect he's probably out if he's a neutered male cat healthy in his prime they do like to hunt the wildlife so that's probably where he's gone to now if you have neighbours locally or you don't live in a rural area it's possible that he might be going to visit other cat friends in the area or visit other houses who might be feeding him that's another possibility but I think it sounds like he's coming back regularly there's a pattern to what he's doing that's probably like you and I we all have a daily routine it's probably just his daily routine Okay and Elizabeth uh, staying on cats actually she has uh, a cat now this cat is in the garden uh, but it's starting to scratch and dig up the flowers in the garden so it's like the cat is playing with the flowers but also while doing that destroying them in the process Oh dear. <laughs> this is a really frustrating one and surprisingly common for one reason or another. Dogs and cats can get a right taste for digging things up. Mm. Now, normally it's mostly harmless to them. Most garden plants wouldn't be causing a problem to them if they started gra- digging them up. I suppose the one word warning I'd have would be just have a little bit of a think about the plants in your garden. If you're an avid gardener and might have some more unusual things, just double check that nothing there will be toxic or poisonous to dogs or cats first and foremost. From your own perspective, it must be really frustrating to have your lovely plants dug up. The best thing I can say is distraction is really good to give them lots of other things to play with if it's a little cat and it is your own cat which I assume from her caller it might might be her own cat that's going out to the garden and digging things up um, lots of play lots of stimulation just distraction so they don't get bored but you can get sprays um, which seem to kind of work they just have a, a funny smell to them um, so you could pop into your vets they'd be able to advise you if there's any they're called kind of get off sprays as it were it's just a deterrent uh, what I would say is it works for some pets not for others some are yeah. really really determined and they might just go ahead anyway <laughs> and they get used to the spray and they realise what it is and exactly. they'll keep at it yeah, exactly yeah. and uh, Anne on WhatsApp wants to know they have a sheep dog but they have, this particular sheep dog has a problem with a nail in his back leg any advice? A problem with a nail in his back leg. I assume here it might be a sore nail or an infection as it were. 
Now um, she doesn't expand on that on the no, WhatsApp, but okay. I, I would presume it <laughs> is something fine. like that. So yeah. I think the most common problems with nails that we have are either that they're overgrown, which mm. is kind of easily enough solved, yeah. pop, to, pop to your better to your groomer and they'll be able to, to clip them and shorten them for you. That's the most common source of pain. It's like us having, let's say, long fingernails and catching them on things. We can kind of just disrupt the nail bed and it could be quite painful. Sometimes we can have nail bed infections. Now, they're a little bit more of a different beast. They can be uh, quite challenging to cure, actually, at times. Um, so if you do see that there is swelling or any discharge around the nail or pain there, I will pop to your vet. There is a number of things that we can have with nail beds, whether they be a bacterial infection or sometimes like a fungal infection, very much kind of like athlete's foot in a way. Um, So pop to your vet. They may have a little look. It might be quite distinctive and they may be able to prescribe treatment directly in the consult, but sometimes they might need to do some tests um, just to kind of further investigate what the cause might be. But I think the first protocol will be if it looks painful, looks swollen, any discharge from the nail, pop to your vet for an examination. And even uh, grooming around an area, that can be sore, I presume, for the animal. It can be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It can be, particularly if there is any pain in any area of mm. the body grooming around that area can be quite sore because I suppose it's it's like ourselves if we had a, a sore hand or a sore nail you wouldn't want anyone touching it so yeah. you kind of want to your immediate reaction is to recoil so a lot of the time we'll see these pets they really just don't want us to have a little look at their feet I know my my dog Margot um, she runs really fast she's a little greyhound but she runs a little bit too fast sometimes and she can cause a little bit of problems with her nails and her, the area in between her two nails she can kind of uh, get little ulcers in there sometimes and she's a right little devil sometimes if there's the slightest thing wrong my first sign would be she doesn't want me to touch her feet and she gets really worried about it and then I know there's something up so yeah that's when you have to act at, that's at, when we at, have at that to stage act. <laughs> and very finally Adam is in Carrick Tool uh, their dog it's 14 years old but they've noticed in the last year alone the dog is sleeping a lot it's a Labrador male is neutered and everything but only in the last year they're, they're noticing their, their Labrador sleeping a lot more than usual any idea how to boost a dog's energy at that particular age mm. So he's an older fella, isn't he? He's, yeah. a, he's, he's older, he he's is older. 14 years old. Yeah. I think it's very much like humans. If you think about the how we all sleep. So as a baby, we sleep a load because we're growing, we're maturing. The brain need lo- needs lots of time to grow. And that's very similar in puppies and little kittens. As we mature and we become adults, we sleep a little bit less. But then as we kind of go into our twilight years, very much like humans, our sleep cycles increase again. We sleep a little bit more and we need a lot more sleep. And the energy levels may decrease a little bit. This may well be quite a normal pattern for this dog, but I think the important things are making sure that there's no underlying cause that's kind of zapping his energy any more than, let's say, his age would as such. So if you're concerned, pop to your vets just for a general MOT, a check over. They might suggest doing some bloods just to make sure that everything internally is ticking over nicely. Um, but it, it can be a difficult one. I think lots of kind of entertainment stimulation. It's kind of giving him giving him the joy of life back. So lots of little walks that he can manage as well if he does have any joint problems that are really common in older dogs and cats. Sometimes that can manifest as us feeling that they're a little bit more lethargic because very much like ourselves, if we had sore joints in, in an older person, we wouldn't want to move as much um, so I think pop to your vet just get a general check over for everybody's peace of mind but it could well be a normal pattern for this little dog Yeah and at 14 years old as, boom, as well he yeah. would get to that stage where he is going to be slowing tired down. for a dog Yeah <laughs> slowing down uh, Jane thank you for that That's Jane Pickett there of the Islandwood Veterinary Hospital in Newmarket part of the Mill Street Veterinary Group back with us next next week answering all your pet questions oh, This is Dean Lewis see your sad eyes You look away from me and I see there's something you're trying to hide And I reach for your hand but it's cold You pull away again And I wonder what's on your mind
mind And then you say to me You made a dumb mistake You start to tremble And your voice begins to break You say the cigarettes on the counter Weren't your friends, they were my mates And I feel the colour draining from my face And my friend said I know you love her but it's over me It doesn't matter, put the phone away It's never easy to walk away Let her go It'll be alright So I still look back at all the messages you'd sent And I know it wasn't right but it was with my head And everything deleted like the past year it was gone And when I touched your face I could tell you're moving on But it's not the fact that you kissed him yesterday It's the feeling of betrayal that I just can't seem to shake And everything I know tells me that I should walk away But I just wanna stay And my friend said I know you love her but it's over me It doesn't matter, put the phone away It's never easy to walk away Let her go, it'll be okay It's gonna hurt for a bit of time So bottoms up, let's forget tonight You'll find another and you'll be just fine Let her go like time and they can't steal love you're born to find but nothing yields the past like time and they can't steal the love you're born to find It's Dean Lewis to be alright at C103 and my thanks to Bernie Murphy who produced I'm John Paul McNamara chat to you tomorrow morning from 10am with Cork Today